intelectual de enciclopedia Que te voy a inyectar con la bacteria Pa' que te vuelta como máquina de feria Señorita intelectual Ya sé que tiene el área abdominal Que va a explotar como fiesta patronal Que va a explotar como palestino Yo sé que a ti te gusta el pop rock latino Pero es que el reggaetón se te mete por los intestinos Por debajo de la falda como un submarino de indio taíno, ya tú sabes, en taparrabo, mamá, en el nombre de Agüeyuana, no hay maná para nada que yo te voy a mentir, yo sé que yo también quiero consumir de tu perejil y tú viniste amazónica como Brasil, tú viniste a matarla como Killville, tú viniste a beber cerveza de barril, tú sabes que conmigo tú tienes refill, atrévete, te, te, salte del closet, te Quítate el esmalte, deja de taparte, que nadie va a retratarte. Levántate, ponte hyper, prendete. It is hot. It is smoky. It is Southern California. It is sultry. It is Slam and Stan, episode number 11. I am Vandal Drummond with Alfredo Esparza. How are you tonight, Alfredo? Rather, rather warm, actually. Oh, my Lord. You know what? I... I have not been able to go running for almost a week now, and I am climbing the walls. I'm going nuts. You, you know, the, um, uh, my sister's kids, kids just started school about a week ago, and they were coming over. They've been coming over the past couple of days, and their skin is like, you know, they're dark-skinned. Yes. <laughs> you put their skin next to mine, and I'm like pale. <laughs> I'm just really pale at the moment because I'm not going out or anything. You, so, oh, like, my Lord. You, you, you feel like a true gringo now, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm a gringo. Oh, oh. You know, I, was re- I was reading your um, website earlier when you were mentioning um, that you had posted some videos up on your website. Yes. And I saw that you were uh, honoring um, Pat Howitt. Pat Howitt, yes. We want to do a special birthday greeting to Pat Howitt, who is better known to the old XPW fans as Larry Rivera. Pat Howitt has uh, been a friend of mine for about 23 years now. And, uh, boy, this is one guy who's done a lot of different, you know, had his hand in a lot of different things. Of course, Abdullah Larry Rivera, as we originally called him before he was just playing Larry Rivera in XPW. His uh, persona on that show started out as a Victor Rivera impersonation that he would execute whenever we went on trips to Tijuana to watch the Lucha in the late 80s. Pat Hoa did the greatest Victor Rivera imitation, and every time we went on a TJ run, we always requested that he cut an interview, cut a promo, and it morphed into him doing the character along with Danny Wolf for Incredibly Strange Wrestling, and then uh, XPW. In addition to pro wrestling, he is a member of the group Brujaria, whose uh, first album was La Raza Odiada and included an appearance by Jello Biafra as Pete Wilson in their initial cut, and they are still going strong. He was also a member of the group Foreign Object as a masked guitarist named Scarface the Womanizer. The leader of that band is the late Stefan De Leon, who was the masked anarchy and was excellent in that role. Uh, Miss Stefan a lot, Miss Foreign Object a lot. 
want to you know just give a really happy birthday to Pat Hoed, who's probably not listening to this podcast because he has a lot of more important things to do. But happy birthday all the same. Hope everything is going well with you and hope to see you. It's been a long time since I've uh, seen Pat. Hope to see him soon. I thought about using one of their um, one of Brujeria um, songs for an intro. Oh, that'd be a great but, opener. But then I thought, you know, maybe we'll lose a couple of people on, 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 <laughs> uh, on the Then again, we might gain a few people. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so the big story this past week seems to be, well, actually not the big story, but one of the many stories that's going on is um, Alex Kozlov lost the Loser Leaves AAA match at Verano de Scandalo. Um, and all over the internet, everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. Well, actually, it's just him trying to... I think he's trying to work everybody into believing he's gone from AAA. So he's gone, but not gone. It's a, it's well, a no. typical modern-day Loser League Town match where the person actually hangs out. Well, because he was one of the first guys who was mentioned um, joining... Um, you've seen Conan, Conan start, created a new faction. It's um, the same foreign legion, but a different, a different group of people. And I right have now, not it, seen that, actually. Yeah, it's, it'll probably be on a, on a later show, but um, he it's basically right now the only other male on the, in the on the team is um, Teddy Hart. Yes, and everybody else is a female. So everybody fascinating. But, <laughs> yeah, when he first when when it first came up, it was going to be Kozlov was mentioned as one of the guys who's going to join. Because I don't know if you've seen, have you kept up with any of the segments where Kozlov was confronted by Conan? No, okay. I saw some other segments where Kozlov. Is upset at Sean Waltman, right? Yes, yes. I've seen other segments with him, but not the ones with him and Conan. Yeah, well, Conan's kind of implied. I think there there were points in where they would ha- he would actually tell him, where he would bring it up, you know, like try to start bringing him in to his faction. So I'm guessing he's probably going to join that group. But I mean, so this is clearly then a, a work to lose or leave town. Well, you know, uh, the thing the thing is, it's it's been a year since he jumped from CMLL to. Triple A, so you never know. I mean, I yeah, think this Dr. is true. Would probably be the one that would know more about it. <laughs> so it sounds so integral to the storyline that you just described. Yeah, it just seems like it'd be the ideal situation because he's one of those guys who jumped. Obviously, he would join join on Conan's group, but especially with so many women in the group. <laughs> it's funny when I was a kid, loser leave town matches always meant that the loser left town, yeah. and then at some point. Uh, when LaBelle, LaBelle territory got in their desperate years, a loser-leave-town match meant that the loser had to leave for three months, three something months. like that. And then, you know, once the regional territories died, I mean, the purpose of a loser-leave-town was, you know, the lo- loser was leaving to move on to another territory. Yeah. But, you know, when the regional territory died, loser-leave-towns usually were just angles to have the loser return under a a mask. Yeah, like uh, uh, Brian Pillman. Yes, Brian Pillman, you know, the Dusty Rhodes, Tommy Rich. Yeah. There's a whole slew of them. One of the, you know, few legit ones was when Ric Flair did his swan song the first time he was with the WWF and uh, lost a loser-leave WWF match to Kurt Hennig. Yeah, I believe that was- that's the angle they did, wasn't it? That, yeah, that was a good angle too. Because I, I remember him running. I think he, I think they threw out Bobby Heenan too, didn't they? Was that the I don't movie? remember that. I remember it was one of the few times I was watching Raw yeah. during that period. Somebody called me earlier that day to tell me Kurt Hennig and Ric Flair should have a, like a kick-ass match tonight, and Ric Flair is leaving, so watch it. And 
I tuned in, and I'm glad I did. So how often did you watch Raw, like, in the 90s? You didn't keep up with it. At Very all. rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. I I was just really into Lucha, uh, started to really get an interest in other hobbies like cult films. Uh-huh. That was when I discovered the great shops in the L.A. area like Mondo Video, a Go-Go, and Eddie Brandt's Saturday Matinee out in Van Nuys. And so I watched a lot less wrestling in general, save for CMLL and AAA. Yeah, I just remember like 94, 90, like before Nitro started, I wouldn't watch like certain shows. Like I wouldn't watch Raw on a, on a regular basis. And then when, when Nitro started, then I started watching everything, you know. And then, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, okay, I don't think I want to watch this. <laughs> oh I'll man, this DVR age is so interesting because I spend so much time just pressing that button to fast forward through segments. It's so yeah. much more efficient than when we had VCRs or, you know, DVDs, it's just like, don't want to see this. now on YouTube, too. So. Yeah. In fact, I was perusing YouTube a little earlier today, and boy, was I having a blast. I I saw so many hallucinogenic entities. It was a joy. I, uh, I saw a few clips from uh, DDT Wrestling uh-huh. and Big Japan Wrestling. Yeah, those, those, those promotions are the ones that... I think those are the ones that don't get caught, so they're always online for some reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, there, there was one that was just posted. I don't know how recent the match was, but it was a tag team match involving little children. It's probably DDT. It's D- <laughs> yeah, it was DDT. Yeah. What, the clip I saw from Big Japan Wrestling, I don't know who the wrestlers were, and again, I really am working at trying to get caught up on this kind of stuff because there's so much beautiful stuff out there. The Big Japan Wrestling clip I saw was... Uh, a grocery market uh, death match. That's old, isn't that? It might be, yeah. To be honest, I was just randomly uh, clicking away. I, I know that the DDT footage I saw was just posted. Yeah. You know, but this, I see two guys fighting in a, a, a strip mall. Uh, Did you ever see with... the bathhouse? The bathhouse? The bathhouse? Oh, that's an, isn't that a really old one with Fujiwara? Yeah, that's an old one, too. I remember I... that one from years ago. I remember seeing it before anybody told me about it. I actually just, for the hell of it, went to Little Tokyo in L.A., rented a few you know, wrestling tapes from the store, uh-huh. and was really surprised to see Fujiwara fighting through a bathhouse and you know, seeing a little bit of nudity there, seeing a, little, uh, you know, a couple of cute little gals running away. <laughs> was it Big Japan that did that one? Um, I, I, think, I don't know if it was Big Japan or IWA, where they just destroy a house. I never saw that. You never saw that? It starts oh, I gotta see that. It starts with this one guy carrying this, um, you know, the big old stereos that that the that guys used to listen to, like and a boombox. Yeah, the the boombox, and he's just rocking out to, you know, he's just he, listening to it. And all of a sudden, there's like a bunch of different guys, and they start fighting. I don't even. I had that tape, and I, I'm pretty sure I tossed it afterwards because it was bad quality. But oh, I, that's I awesome! I'll just um, I'll have to ask my. There are some very creative minds in Japan, I must yeah. say. I, and I do want to point out, what steered me to some of this YouTube footage was David Bickenspan, uh-huh. who does the Loser Leave Town podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. I actually uh, had an Iron Man match with David Bickenspan this past weekend. You did he a did show? a podcast where wow. he got me on to talk about the Hall of Fame candidates. Was this like three years, three years in the making? <laughs> it's three or four years in the making because it was before we even, before I even brought up making, doing a podcast. 
This was no, no. I'm talking about just this past weekend. I know, but I mean, you guys were planning this for like three years at least <laughs> for the, the Hall of Fame pad, podcast. No, the podcast period. Well, I did a podcast with him a little over a year ago. Oh, you did, and it it failed. You never put it up, have you? It failed. No, it, what happened is we did a whole podcast, and then he emailed me a few minutes later, said that said the motherfucker didn't record. Oh God, <laughs> gotta go on blog talk, probably. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that's the one good thing about Blog Talk. You could just do it on there, and it will record for you. I know, isn't it sweet? Yeah, you, you know, the only, you the know only for somebody like me who lacks competence. Yeah, the only negative is that you know you have to do it live, and <laughs> sometimes you never know what could happen during a live show. Exactly. Well, you know that's why, in sometime in the future, we might even experiment with you know other vehicles. Yeah, I don't think we will. Yeah, probably not. But you I know, think, it's, I think I think I'm going to pass on that. It's nice to know it's always. Yeah. You know, an option if we if there's want. there's instructions with it, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Did, well, anyway, uh, okay, when okay. Buddy Rose died, Bixen's uh-huh. fan, you know, proposed doing a podcast oh, okay. to him, but we never did that. Okay. Then he proposed the Hall of Fame podcast, and I said, yeah, let's do it. So we started it Saturday. I figured, oh, this will take maybe an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Over two hours later, we were partially through the list. Wow. So we continued with the following day, and it was another, I want to say, two and a half hours. Well, how many people were you guys talking about? I lost count scores, though. Scores. So I mean, you pick ten people for oh, the okay. Hall of Fame, and then those, at least wrestlers you pick for the Hall of Fame. And then oh. there were non-wrestling entities that you pick for the Hall of Fame. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we went to a lengthy list. You know, I I know when I think we brought the, I brought this up with you a couple of, like I think probably a year ago or so, and I told you that I kind of wonder who's going to vote for Lucha come in like five years, <laughs> you know, because a lot of a lot of the people who vote for Lucha I'm assuming don't watch it. Like I think you and Doctor Lucha are probably the only well Doctor Lucha before you started rewatching. I that's a good question because I honestly don't know who's on the list. Yeah, I don't know who's on. I don't know who votes or anything, but well, it's different. There, it's a variety. There's People like me and Dr. Lucha. Yeah, who, but the Lucha guys mainly. Yeah, Lucha guys, but he who also has Lucha people guys? active in the industry who vote, though they remain anonymous yeah. for obvious reasons. Uh, historians, fans, I mean... And of all those, how many are Lucha people, though? Like five? <laughs> um, I suspect more. More? Okay. If there were only five... People voting Lucha. You'd be shocked. Well, I think more Luchadores would get voted in to the Hall. Oh, so the, the few, the more people there are, the the more less likely they're voting. Yeah, because what happens is to get into the Hall of Fame, you have to be on sixty percent of the ballots of people voting for that sector of pro wrestling. Okay, so like, so if eight, there were only five of us, I have a feeling a lot more Luchadores would have. Uh, would have made the grade. So, like, say some guy who's never watched Lucha, he, his vote wouldn't count in that part. You know what I mean? Like, if he says this guy sucks, he doesn't belong. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. That, no, that's not... Yeah, that's not that, how it works. Yeah, not, that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, I don't want to explain this. This thing. is too intellectual for me. Yeah. I, it, yeah. You just let Dave I, figure it out. Well, well here... here my suspicion is that there's more than just a few people who have actually watched a degree of Lucha Libre because 
in the late 80s, there were quite a few people who were getting turned on pretty hardcore to Lucha Libre. Okay. And I have a feeling that there's at least a handful of those who are voting. Plus, if, you, if there's wrestlers, there's got to be new wrestlers coming in every couple Yeah. Because, I mean, there's not a lot of guys dying. Really. And, and you <laughs> have to remember, years. like, where you and I, you and I are really, we're up on some of the wrestling, but we're behind on a lot of it. But there's a lot of people out there who seem like they devoted a lot of their life to watching wrestling and watch a lot of lucha, watch a lot of American wrestling, watch a lot of Japanese wrestling. I don't know where they find the time. But now I think I think a lot of the people voting out there are pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. I don't know about all of them, but so And then there's people like me who, you know, I vote but I have to confess, you know, when I see a candidate it's on hard, the ballot like Wilbur Snyder. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never seen I, him. I've seen I've seen a tape or two of him, but you have to kind of judge on what you can learn about him. Okay. Uh, historically, so you Google search before you vote. <laughs> I've done that many times, yeah. <laughs> and then but there's some. Yeah, and then there's then there's I'd say the majority of the wrestlers I had a good inkling of whether they I thought they fit in or not. Yeah. But then there was other subjective calls for instance i put john tolis in uh-huh. he he got my vote but i think there's a very good chance he'll never get in because he's a regional hero here in los angeles i think he belongs indefinitely but people like in the mid-atlantic even who are pretty not pretty knowledgeable might have little awareness of him or think well yeah. he is only an la regional champion so why does he belong in? Where somebody like me might look at people like the Assassins and say, well, they're kind of like a mid-Atlantic sensation, like Ole Anderson, and so why do they belong in? So, The Assassins, were, was it the same guys like towards the end, like in the, late, in the early 80s? You know, no, they went through several entities. Actually, they got my vote right away. I was about to vote them in because I really, really loved the entrances they did where they danced to the ring and ran in circles and jumped up and down and rang bells throughout the match and uh-huh. then I realized like I was thinking of the ding dong so I didn't <laughs> vote them in. <laughs> I was like that sounds like the ding dong but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so they were almost in but then I, I took back my vote after that I realized I was thinking of somebody different. How could you vote for them and not the Midnight Express, you know? Seriously. I did vote for the Midnight Express. Oh, you gotta vote for them. I mean Of course. And, and, and I'm not saying that just because Jim Cornette owes me my DVD and... <laughs> oh, you're still waiting, are you? Yeah. Ah. But I think it's a two-week wait, though. So, I don't know. Yeah. And in modern era, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're so used to things getting done quickly. Two-week wait yeah. was always a minimum when you ordered wrestling products. Back in yeah. my day when I was young. But I figure since it's him, it's probably he's busy or something. I'll probably give him another week to bug <laughs> yeah. him about it. So what's I gonna ask you? So how long was the how long did you guys discuss this? After all, was it more than two hours? Total of uh, the whole thing combined to the two uh, the two sessions over uh, four hours, maybe wow. four and a half hours, something like that. You gonna My mouth was dry after that. Is he gonna put the whole thing up, or is he just gonna trim it down to? I think he's gonna post the whole thing in two settings. I think he's gonna post one in the next few days, and then. You know, post the second episode a few days after that. <laughs> I also started watching something he sent me about a year ago. Uh-huh. 
the Memphis? I, well, I watched the Memphis, but this was trippy. This was a cartoon. The Harlem Globetrotters meet Snow White. Oh, God. Holy shit. When was this? 1980. What, what was it? Was it a cartoon? It was a cartoon. Actually, when I was a kid in 1972, there was a Saturday morning cartoon of the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I that, but I didn't know there was a Harlem Globetrotters meet Snow White. Neither did I until I got this from Bixie. And I've only watched like the first 10 minutes, but it's already tripping me out. It, the Harlem Globetrotters uh, are trying to escape the w- Wicked Witch who... Uh, banished Snow White from the land, sent her into exile, and they just happen upon Snow White's house, and so all these giant Harlem Globetrotters are hunched in this tiny house where the seven dwarfs live. Snow White makes them lunch, and the ultimate line, in the ten minutes I've watched of it, is she serves them little, you know, frankfurters. Uh But they're really small frankfurters because she usually has to feed seven dwarfs. And so the line from one of the Harlem Globetrotters is, I've never seen such a teeny weeny weeny. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember them doing um, Scooby-Doo a lot. Remember the Scooby-Doo segment, the ones with um, the Harlem Globetrotters? Oh, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? Like, they would be playing basketball and all of a sudden, you know, they, they'd always have a ball with them for some reason. They'd be running away and there was always a ball with them. Oh, that's funny. I I remember Meadowlark Lemon appearing on the local uh, TBS, uh, uh, not TBS, TBN religious station all the time. He had his own show for a while. Yeah. Oh, well, getting back to Lucha again. Let's get back to Lucha. Okay, we're there. Um, let's see. Oh, um, you just saw the, I, I, I think you, I, I, we were talking about this earlier, but you just saw the John Strongman Anderson video. What'd you think of him? He have, he looks like Scott Steiner, but does not move like Scott Steiner, at least what like little Ronda. I've seen of him. He moves like Gronda, doesn't he? He moves like Gronda, and it, it's interesting how the clips they showed of him clotheslining people were so minimal. It's like you could picture them in the studio editing them down, saying, okay, how do we make this guy look bitchin' as possible? Well, you know what I mentioned on um, Twitter? I suggested, and I actually found, I should have sent you the YouTube clip. Well, you've probably, you've seen it. You saw Memphis. Um, I, I suggested they should do what um, they, Memphis used to do with Joe LaDuke. Remember, they'd have him pulling uh, buses, yes. cars. Uh, well, that's the funny thing is, for people who haven't seen this clip of John Strongman, his Strongman, you know, feat is he's in the empty arena. He picks up a row of chairs that are all hooked to each other and throws them at more chairs. At more chairs, and all the chairs kind of fall down. You know what it they should have done? so unglamorous. And yeah, like you're saying, it would look a lot more bitching if they had him pulling a bus with a chain or... Holding you know, a there's... car, holding a car, you know, keeping a car from crashing into him with his, with his bare feet. Have you ever seen that clip with Joe LaDuke um, holding that car? I remember the Joe LaDuke one. They yeah, did it with Mighty Igor. It was or the same strongman thing they used to do. Tug of War, remember Tug of War? Yes, that would have been bitching too. With 20 minis, there you go. <laughs> Tug of War versus 20 minis. Um, you know what I, what I, um, when he was throwing the chairs, I thought they should have had like a, they should have zoomed into like some Mexican guy standing by like, I ain't picking this shit up. Yeah, that was not a very impressive, it would look more impressive if they just hadn't take off his shirt and flex. 
the yeah. most entertaining moment of that portion is Shocker is cutting a promo in Spanish, uh-huh. and then he turns it over to John Strongman to cut a promo in English, and Shocker says, it's all yours, John. Take it away. Well, and his voice is so hysterical. It sounds like a dubbed voice in a spaghetti western. I, I watched it several times just because I found it. English, though. But, yeah, but... Yeah, his, the way he said it is... The way like, he said it was hysterical. That was like... It, just, it sounded so much like I was picturing, you know, Clint Eastwood coming out to have a showdown with him or something. You know, the... the what was I going to mention? The other thing was him lifting... He, the only thing he lifted was um, Lady Apache with one arm and then the other time, Masterita Dorada. And I thought, why doesn't he lift up Ray Mendoza Jr. with one arm? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been impressive. <laughs> I would have been like, holy shit, he lifted Ray Mendoza Jr. <laughs> that would have been impressive. That would have been like, sweet. Yes, I. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll I, be interest, interesting I to see. I'll I'll watch his matches just to see what it looks like. Not well, I because think, I think it's going to be anything good, just because this should be a kick. <laughs> well, I think I think the the one thing I I I think it, there's a possibility it'll work where he's going to be popular like Gronda, where you know he'll be he'll be a draw just because he's a big muscle guy. But then there's a chance that if they let him wrestle like beyond a minute or two, he's going to get exposed and it's just going to be like, you know, that plummeting. It's just going to plummet like the Dow Jones or whatever all of a sudden. I think that's, I think you're right. And I think that's probably the idea. I think they're smart enough to know that. I mean, if they booked Gronda and were able to get him over, I think that's Well, they weren't the ones, though. What's that? That was was AAA, though, so. (laughs) Oh, geez. Boy, am I, boy, am I uh, mixing it up. Yeah, the, the the thing when they had Gronda, it, it kind of was uh, it didn't last that long. Wait, 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 Gronda. Gronda worked AAA, then he jumped the original one. Now, the reason I'm thinking CMLL is wasn't it in CMLL where he had that really nasty leg break? No, he broke it in AAA. Okay, I for some and reason he, I thought that was CMLL. And then he jumped to uh, CMLL, where he basically they nobody wanted to sell for him or anything. <laughs> Gee, wonder so, why. Uh, <laughs> and so he didn't last that long. Him and Electroshock didn't last that long, but I mean. I think that's well, then in that case, I take back what I said. I show my ignorance of Gronda's history, well, cool. uh, and maybe this isn't a good idea. <laughs> well, you know, the only good thing is if he does well in CMLL, he could just like jump immediately towards to AAA, and maybe they could do something with him. Because I think he, I think he has a better shot of making it in AAA than in. Yeah, he seems more geared for something like yeah. AAA. AAA is the type of promotion where they'll do like. Well, you've seen cybernetical matches, basically. Everybody running in and and doing all this other stuff, and he's basically then it's you know he you know then it just goes back to him doing the finish or whatever. Have you ever seen that guy Conan Big? I've never seen Conan Big. No, he's a Monterey guy, and he does a he does a gimmick where he wrestles a celebrity, mm-hmm. and the celebrity comes in with like six seven other six seven wrestlers and maybe like a bunch of other guys who show up with them, and it's basically the, all these guys taking bumps off of Conan Big. And I think that's what they do with, um, with with those guys. I mean, and it, it works. It works because the the guys who do the crazy bumps, they'll do something really nuts. And yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm not a big fan of the big strong man who cannot work, but yeah. at the same time, I have admiration for a booker who can get the gimmick over. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think, not just anybody can do it. I haven't seen him wrestle though, so it's one thing to like we we've seen him. 
You know, we've seen him list. We've seen him throw people around. We haven't seen him actually wrestle. <laughs> well, so. that's why I'm dubious because, like I said, they showed clips of him clotheslining somebody. Uh-huh. So they must have had clips of entire matches of his. And if he looked at all impressive, I think they would have showed more clips of him power slamming guys. You know, a little of the vintage Scott Steiner type action. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I only say that just because he has this uncanny resemblance to Scott Steiner. Yeah, he actually does. I mean, well, you could. I, I would have gotten Scott Steiner though. <laughs> just yeah, I, he'd be just because Scott Steiner says some crazy shit during um, his. Yeah. Even though I'm, I'm certain that Scott Steiner's making a hell of a lot more in TNA than he ever would in CMLL. Yeah. But you, could you imagine, like, sucker, take it away, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I watched that several times. No, but it looked you, like something that was dubbed in. It was beautiful. But the guy didn't really have a good promo. Could you imagine if 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 um, if it was Sh- um, Scott Steiner, Chucker just would have been like, oh, crap. Did I just say take it away, <laughs> Scott Steiner? And Scott Steiner would have been like, you bitches. Yeah. Yeah, I almost wonder why they even had the guy cut a promo. Why didn't yeah. they have just Shocker just sit there and hype yeah, the, guy have the guy up? Like scream, you know, you know what you said, rip his shirt off and scream and. That's yeah, it. yeah, just make it look like you have this kind of mindless monster here with you, and have somebody else speak for him. Why does everybody have to talk nowadays? You know. It. You know what? I think too many interviews actually kills the mystique of the wrestler. Yeah. When I was a, a little kid. One of the things I remember is, of course, they did interviews. Interviews were a huge part of pro wrestling, but they interviewed some wrestlers more than they did others. And when you, when I would see a wrestler get in the ring, you know, work his gimmick, do his match, I would be eager to hear him cut an interview, but they didn't interview him every week. And every week when I tuned in, I was hoping to know a little bit more about this wrestler you know, they kept me chomping at the bit, thirsting yeah. for more information. But if they just handed him the microphone every week and he cut a raw type promo, I'd say, oh, okay, that's what he's all about. Well, let's move on. Next wrestler. But I think that's what, that's what less I think, is more. Yeah, and that's what I think kind of screwed up on Strongman's de- um, debut video promo or whatever. He shouldn't have said it. They should have just, like, had him go, ah, and throw throw those chairs, and that would have been it. And him lifting exactly. stuff, of him lifting stuff. But that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I, I thought would, that was a really weak promo. And the, the only good thing I, I can say about CMLL right now is that they've been debuting a lot of new talent the last couple of weeks. So yeah, in fact, a lot of, you mentioned that you've been actually g- getting the opportunity to check out a lot of CMLL. Yeah, and there's, a, there, I mean, the one thing I could say about CMLL is that they have a lot of talent. Yeah. But they, it's like, for some reason, some of the shows, they don't. Um, it doesn't come across as entertaining as as it should. Like the the the, the one show on um, the Cadena Tres show. That's the. Uh, it's not the Galavision show. They they have two shows. They have two main shows now. It's Galavision on airs the Friday show, and Cadena Tres shows the Tuesday shows. The Tuesday show looks actually pretty good because they actually have like this good-looking woman interviewing the the luchadors. Yeah. She seems, she seems into it. And then the Galavision show, it's like all this stuff where they're like showing like shilling more stuff. They have like this contest where everybody seems to know everything about every single wrestler. And I mean the it they they kind of it kind of seems like they're shortening the the matches. It seems really rushed. That's but too the, bad. Yeah, and the Cadena Tres show looks really good. And Fox Fox Sports Español just screws up their show for some reason. I don't know what the hell that was. 
That's too bad. Yeah, because yeah, I agree what I have seen in recent months of CMLL. I mean, the wrestling talent just seems really top-notch. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious. Of course, you know, the majority of what I have seen... It's Negro is, Casas. <laughs> Negro Casas, Mystico. Negro Casas and Mystico. And everybody involved with their feud. So I've seen, yeah. you know, like Volador Jr. I've seen a lot of. I've Mr. Nieb, La Felino. And La Sombra. Uh, yes, La Sombra, somehow, who I really enjoy. What little I've seen always of him. Wait, you always ignore him. For some reason, you always ignore him. You always mention Negro Casas, Mystico, but you always ignore Sombra. And well, because the focus is on Negro Casas <laughs> and Mystico, well, who... You know, the thing I was, the thing I noticed with um, yes. that group, Sombra, Mystico, and um, Volador Jr., that would make a great trio in um, Dragon Gate. Oh, that would be I cool. I think they would actually work in Dragon Gate. That would work. I mean, cause Oh, I those think, would make some bitchin' matches with the Dragon yeah. Gate boys. Yeah, I mean, I think CML should work with Dragon Gate more than with um, New Japan. I mean, the New Japan guys, don't get me wrong, they're not that bad, but I mean, they're really, like, they just back something. Whereas the new, the Dragon Gate guys just have this different look to them. They do have a different look. Well, it's it's hard to and they're more say why would they would work with one company opposed to another. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna? Oh, I was gonna ask you. You know, as, as I said, you know, I'm kind of focused on the La Peste Negra and all. You know, Negro Casas Mystico. Wrestlers out of that group, you know, away from that group in CMLL, who are some of the up-and-comers that you're impressed with? Well, obviously Valiente. Valiente, Virus, you know, it's the same group of guys. Sangre Azteca, have you seen, you haven't seen the Poder Mechica, have you? I'm sorry? Poder Mechica, have you seen No, that? I have not. It's um, Sangre Azteca, um, Dragon Rojo Jr., and uh, Black Warrior. That's a good trio. There are a few Very good. I like Sangre Azteca, what I've seen of him. Yeah, and you've obviously seen Black Warrior, too. So. Yes, I have. And Dragon Dragon Rojo Jr., uh, when they do their entrances, because they're, they're, well, they're Mexicas, basically, you know, they're doing the Aztec type of thing. Um, he comes in with one of those, like, um, I don't know what they're called, but the Indians use it to, like, shake. They shake it. It's like one of those shaker type of things. I don't know, but <laughs> it's like a war dance looking thing when he comes to the ring. I know what you're really talking cool. about, and I yeah. don't know the pr- proper term for it either. Yeah, it's like a it's like a maraca, you know, or whatever that thing. Yes, is. my illiteracy reigns here tonight. Yeah. Well, that's actually a really good group. They've been working um, a lot with. I guess Black Warrior is going to have a match with um, Yujiro, and I guess Shocker's working with the other Japanese guy. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. very good. One of them's working with one Japanese guy, and the other one's working with the other Japanese guy. Hair matches, and um, there's. There's uh, Ray Cometa and Pegaso. I think you might have seen them on. I've heard, yeah. I've seen yeah. Ray Cometa. Uh, I know I've seen Picasso, but I can't recall anything about him, really. Wouldn't it be because they call him Picasso? <laughs> <laughs> Picasso instead I like of Picasso. that. Picasso, I mean, seriously. You know, they're, they're giving um, this Friday, I think this Friday they're giving another guy a tryout, um, a name, Turbo. I don't know if you've seen him. I've he not worked, seen Turbo. He's worked Chikara. He worked IWRG. You, he's probably been on, he's probably one of the IWRG DVDs that you got from me. Um, okay, I yeah, you I have so it. many of those, and I still have only seen just a small portion of them. Yeah, um, well, that guy is really good. I actually think they should put him in with um, Pegaso and Ray Cometa. That would be a good trio. But obviously, he needs to he needs to impress people on and then try out. Well, they're bringing in a lot of guys. They brought in a guy named Ro a guy named Roche. 
Roche, R-O-S-H? Yeah. No, it's R-O-U-G-E. But they pronounce oh. it Roche. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, have you heard Dr. Lucha's um, podcast? Um, I have not heard today's Brian podcast Alvarez? yet. Well, he, at the end of the show, and this is where we're going to disagree. He, at the end of the show, they, um, Brian Alvarez asked him who he was impressed with, and he, he mentioned um, Roche. And, and, he, and of course he mentioned, he brought up how the guy needs to change his name. But um, I see him I, as I Latino. I think it's a great name. Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Is it Roge or is it supposed to be Rogue? Because I thought it was Rogue, and they're just mispronouncing it as Rogue. I say they call it Roche and have him have a tag team partner called Tosh. There you go. <laughs> that would be great. Well, they, and then they could, they could wrestle Picasso at the anniversary show. Yeah, they, they, they actually have this other guy named Metro. And they've done like that gimmick, like um, it's, I think it's a it's a company that they spawn, that sponsors um, CMLL called Metro. I have no idea what that is, what they what the company is, but um, they sounds very Vogue though. Yeah, I mean, and they had this they had this wrestler called Metro a couple years ago or like a year ago. The guy sucked. So I've been watching <laughs> a lot of I've been watching a lot of the recent stuff, and the guy I, that they have now isn't half bad. I was actually interesting. That he's not not as bad as um as the previous one. Which well, as soon as I have access, I, I want to get caught up in CMLL. I know I've said that for several weeks now. Uh, be, you know, the other name I have to bring up, um, you know, the, you know, Ass? Remember Ass? Who? Ass or Ass? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, it's Spanish for Ace, right? Yeah, Ace. There's yeah. one called Ace Jr., Ass Jr. But you think that they, they really should change that that name, shouldn't they? I mean... Unless they want to have him team with Mascara Ano Dos Mil. <laughs> you know, I just pack up. I mean, you don't think, like, in today's age of the Internet age where even um, Mexicans now have access to all this stuff, you would think they would figure this out a little sooner. So, I think, yeah. I, I just think that's a bad name. <laughs> it is not a very good name. Very simplistic, I, too, I must yeah, say. Um, I have to bring up something non-Lucha yeah. that I brought up. Yeah. Well, it's not non-Lucha, because this guy's pretty much Lucha himself. Um, you remember that guy, Ebison, right? I remember Ebison very well. I remember my favorite thing about Ebison is his, his beautiful Stan Hansen impersonation. Well, and you remember him going back to when he was Ebison. He changed the, his name a couple of years ago to Kikutaro. Yeah, so you were telling me that. Yeah, because you were like, who's Kikutaro? Yeah, yeah, I, I just remember Ebison. I've, and yeah. I've actually seen him as Kikutaro, but yeah, you just I thought, him. oh, there's Ebison. Yeah, um... Well, he debuted a couple of new gimmicks on, on um, I guess, the last couple of months. Um, he did a Don Fry gimmick, where it's Don Kiku Fry. Uh, yeah. Where I, I think it was a tag match, and he worked against um, Takayama. Mm-hmm. And his whole offense is basically, he just copied what um, Don Fry used to do, where he would punch. <laughs> so he just, he oh, just my God. But the best one he did recently... Uh-huh. Uh, um, the Nasawa, Nasawa, every couple, you know, remember Nasawa, right? Yes, I do. Um, Nasawa does a, a show called Bombayi every couple, I guess it's an annual. Yes, I've heard of that. Um, he did a show where he, um, where they had the Crush Gals versus Bull, they, they did a, uh, I guess it's an, an ode to the Crush Gals, Bull Nakano, Dump Matsumoto feud of the age. I remember that feud, that was when I first started watching... No, not when I first started watching All Japan Women Wrestling, but I think about two years into it or so. Yeah, because that was like a big thing. Well, yeah. uh, Kiku Taro does um, Dump Kiku, 
Oh, no. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upload it. Probably later today I'll, I'll start uploading it. Yes, I want to see that. I'd love to post it on my page because uh-huh. everything I've seen of Ebison is that guy is flawless. I mean, he yeah, just he- doesn't imitate the wrestlers. He gets their most minimal mannerisms down. Everything from... You know, Stan Hansen's war cry to yeah. every just little way he carries himself. I mean, this this guy is more than just campy and funny. He really puts a lot into his portrayal of all the classic wrestlers. So, so just imagine him trying to be on um, Dump Matsumoto. And oh, on, that is that sounds wonderful. That's something I must see. And his teammate, I think I think you might have seen. Did you do you remember? Did I show you that one show where um they did the where they did the slow mo? No. One of the DDT shows. You didn't watch that one? No, I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, well, um, I think you might have seen him. You could look for him because he, he works for DDT on this guy, on Muscle Sakai. Uh-huh. He does, um, he's Bull Sakai. So he actually got a haircut, a mohawk looking um, like um, Bull Nakano. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, and they dressed like they dressed like them. They did the whole thing. But the Crush Gals, now you, who, who do you think did the Crush Gals? I haven't the slightest idea. Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki did um, Chigusa Nagayo. Yeah. <laughs> and Yoshihiro Takayama did um, Jaguar Yokota. Really? Yeah. This I gotta see. It's this I must really, see. It's, it's a fun show because they actually brought in. They even did the the heel ref. Remember the heel ref that <laughs> they did the whole they did the whole work and then they. It was just a good show. It's a good. It's the whole show is really good. Oh, just talking about this has me nostalgic for the old All Japan Women days. Oh yeah, that's that's a great. That's really that's that's when that's the only Japanese. That's the only women's wrestling I really enjoy. Like I can't really. Oh, same here. That was like the pinnacle of women's wrestling. Other than Fabio Pachi, anything Fabio Pachi, I'll watch. She is a doll. She is still cute as a button. I do believe. Oh, we should get to our our email questions. Okay, what's the email question? And I'm just getting ready because I bet you I don't know the answer. Okay, the the first part of the question is, if you were to book the Antonio Pena Memorial Show, how would you do it? <laughs> You're like, I don't even know who's in I, I You know, that's something I would have to put a lot of thought into. Yeah. I, I think one thing you and I have in common, Fredo, is when we grew up, we would sit up by ourselves in our bedroom and play Booker. We would dream up the wrestling cards we would... Well, we would... I, 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 well, I think you remember we were talking about Eddie Gilbert... And um, I told you one of the things, because you brought it up when, when I mentioned how I used to have a notebook, and I would yes. write down all the matches and everything. And then you said you did the same thing, and then you said Eddie Gilbert and all these other guys did the same exact thing. Uh, did I say Eddie Gilbert? I don't know. You mentioned somebody like that used to bring it, or you mentioned somebody men brought it I'm trying to say, because I remember, yeah, I used to have a little notebook, and I actually, when I was a little kid, I used to actually think up characters. I wouldn't actually think up actual wrestler, active wrestlers that I would book on a show, uh-huh. I would think up personas and where I would go with an angle. And, oh, you know who you know who I think I was telling you about who did that? <clears throat> I don't know if he did it with a notebook or stuff like that, but Tom Burke did, you know, the uh-huh. wrestling historian and the guy who's, you know, friends with a lot of wrestlers like uh, Killer Kowalski and Chris Colt. I thought I was the only person in the world who did that. And uh, <laughs> after I knew Tom Burke for like about two years, he confessed that he did that too. 
And then I met, over the years, I met a number of other people who were actually in the business. I don't know how many of them would want me to say that they did that, but I, I know it wouldn't bug Tom Burke at all. So. The same name. <laughs> What's the same name. Who did it? But you could tell, you could tell who did it because they, they end up doing booking at some point. Yeah, and you know, Eddie, Eddie Gilbert grew up in the business, and I think he's one of these guys who had a very active imagination, which yeah. you really need if you're a booker. You know, and he saw from the day he could walk what gets over and what doesn't. And plus, he was just a really great wrestling mind. We should actually uh, write. We should write up uh, uh, what each one of us would do for um for the Antonio Pena Memorial. When is it? Like in early. Yeah, we'd have to think about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I could write one. I could write something up in, in by the by the next show. Yeah. Well, if if you know, to the person who wrote but then that, email, my idea. What's that? They'll steal my ideas, and I'll be upset. <laughs> and then we can further the feud we talked about with Dr. Lucha the other week. Oh, there you go. We can uh, fight with Dr. Lucha over it. Well, what, what was I going to say? About Antonio Pena Memorial Show? Yeah, I'd actually have to put thought into that, because that's, that's something I wouldn't just want to blurt out, because it would be rambling, nonsensical. And yeah. if, if you look on StanTheEmbryo.com and see the way I uh, translate... Uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I'd actually love to book for them, but I don't think they'd want anything to do with a booker like me, especially because I'd want to work all the finishes. Um, Plus, you have to do it. I got to put some fun to that because that would be kind of fun. Well, actually, you just have to do one thing. You do have to do just the tournament. A, a tournament, and we do have to work Pena's ashes into it, like yeah. they have done before. Oh, seriously, winner gets Pena's ashes. And well, you have and you have to think of something really creative to do the ashes. Can't do that again, though. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah, you had to do some. Pena's ghost. I don't know. Yeah. They did the ashes. The go. Uh, Pena ghost would actually be in good taste. <laughs> okay. The second part of the question is: um, if you could book the Fabi Apache Billy Boy feud, how would it continue? It wouldn't. Yeah, I think it's done. I think. Yeah, it it's just. It's just ran its course. I would just. I, I, I mean, I point. seriously, I have followed that feud. I have followed that feud going back to like when it first started, and I think it's I think like I think a year ago I said there was still a lot more you could do, but they didn't do certain things that I thought they could have done, like the tagging of um, Billy Boy and Gran Apache. Yeah, you know it reminds that, me but... of the last two seasons of The Sopranos. It was almost like they didn't know where to take the story anymore, and, and um, what do we do now? Oh, yeah. let's have Tony get shot. Let's have him go into a dream sequence. Uh, where do we take I... it from here? And I think that's what they're doing with Fabi, because the Fabi was jumped by the by um, Conan's women. Yes, I, so, you know, so, I, so and they have something it, much more fascinating with Pimpinela and Gato. They should just oh, keep actually, running with that. They're already. They're, I think they're already. I think they're already switching over for Fabi. But Billy Boy, I mean, I think he kind of got screwed by the Coke, <laughs> the whole Coke incident. <laughs> I'm serious. I think he's pretty much screwed out of that. Yeah, they should just move on, come up with something else. The, I uh, yeah. The, down, the downfall for Billy Boy is that he's actually. There really isn't much for it because obviously they're not going to push him now. No, um, and well, that's just a matter of who's running the show. I mean, if it doesn't matter where they took the storyline, if they didn't want to push him in the future, they wouldn't push him in the yeah. future, no matter how fresh or how stale the angle is. It, it's Dang. just I, I haven't even seen it as long as you have, and I'm already burnt out on it. Well, see, I, I've already seen the whole thing. I mean, it's it's there really isn't more they could do. I mean. You can't reunite them because they, I mean, they basically, 
I think what they could do at some point is, like, in a, a year down the line, they could always reunite them, but right now they just need to give everybody a break from that whole angle. I agree. I agree. They've already Take done a their, rest. <laughs> I mean, because I, Billy, I guess Billy was the one that lost his hair, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did, because they did a video. Did you see that video? Triple no, A. I haven't. Triple A created a YouTube page. Mm-hmm. So they decided to put um, the post-match, post-angle with um, Billy Boy, and all, his, all it is is him standing around with his head shaped. That's basically wow, it. they might as well have him uh, hanging out with John Strongman. They should have just had him talk and cut a promo. <laughs> See, I, think, I think what they're going to have to do is, uh, I think they need to do the, the Pimpinella... Got through already, but that one, that one, I think that one's probably going to end at some point. <laughs> yeah, they should they should wind that one up pretty soon. But no, I think they should no. I think they should team them and have them be a couple and just have them. Yeah, see that's, that's yeah. Have them be a couple for a long, long time and have them eventually split up once that gets old. It's such a it's such a fresh it. idea. See, that's the one thing I like about people jumping from one promotion to the other because you get fresh new characters and. Yeah, that's true. That. That's true, and then you just hope they stay with that company for a while. And I think I think Triple A kind of jumped the gun with um, Corleone and Wagner showing up at the same time, because now they don't really have a lot. For some mm, true, well. true, cramming a lot into one thing or, or into one short pocket of time. Yeah, and finally, the final question is: What are your favorite lucha movies? My absolute favorite lucha movie, and I recommend everybody get a copy of this. It's I believe it was nineteen is either nineteen fifty three or nineteen fifty six. La Ultima Lucha, yeah. which stars Wolf Ruvinsky's uh Cavernario Galindo. Very I mean, this is a great wrestling movie. It's not just a campy movie, it's shot wonderfully. Um my my sister in law was somebody who, you know, studies screenwriting and is a cinema buff and I was showing her the action sequences from this movie involving Rito Romero and Cavernario Galindo, and she actually asked me to show her those sequences several times because she loved the way it was shot. Wow. And this is somebody who did, who is not into wrestling one iota. And the wrestlers' performance in this movie, they were great. I, I don't know how much credit goes to the wrestlers, how much to the director. Uh, Cavernario Galindo, it was about the only movie I've ever seen where he just doesn't play where he plays something other than El Santo's opponent or a zombie. He actually had some lines in the movie. He delivered them well. And I've never seen wrestling sequences shot so well. Not just the wrestling itself, but uh, the fan footage. You know, they, <laughs> It wasn't like some of those Santo and Blue Demon movies where... Just a bunch of campy moments and everything. Yeah, exactly. Or, or in some of those Santo Blue Demon movies, you'll see the arena partially full, and they try to darken out the rest of the arena. They actually had small arenas in this film that were filled with fans, and this is a movie any every Lucha fan, actually every wrestling fan should see. Yeah. Even if you don't speak Spanish, it's really easy to follow the plot. The performances are great. Wolf Ruvinskis is great in this movie. He was really, no, I don't want to say he's underrated as an actor, but I think a lot of uh, wrestling fans, even Lucha fans, don't realize what a good actor this guy was. Oh, yeah, he, he did so, uh, a soap like in the early 80s and that I, I remember just watching. Just really? Like, yeah, because it was, it was one of those soaps that my parents would watch. And um, I remember seeing him, and I didn't know he was a wrestler, and I was like, who is that guy? Because he, ha- you know, he, looked, he looked like a, like one of those respectable, you know, uh, one of those... <laughs> 
big time actor than I thought. Man, who is that guy? He looks really cool. And he I'm did. Like, yeah, yeah like, and he. Uh, I guess he. You know, did a lot of stage work too. I guess he played the lead in Streetcar Named Desire in Mexico. And you have to love a guy who 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 does a debate on Lucha Libre being um. You remember that whole old debate and um contrapunto? I never saw that. You never saw it? I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I never saw that. I'd love I'll, to see it. I think I have it copied, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you a copy of it. Um, he, he basically defended um, wrestling as, a, as, a, as, as all four things, you know, because it, it was, it was um, circo, maroma, teatro, deporte, which is circus, uh, theater. Yes, and I remember okay. hearing, I heard about the show, and I heard about his role in it. Never yeah. seen it, but I'd love he to. Defended, he defended wrestling. As a as theater by using um, Cardigan's ghost angle, you know the story of that that match. Yes, Optimus versus the Invisible Man, wasn't it? Cardigan Cardigan versus the Invisible Man. Card, Cardigan versus the Invisible Man, which I wish I had seen. People in back east, uh-huh. uh, when Titanic in a ring aired in New York in the mid 1970s, uh, they aired The Invisible Man. And what I was told The Invisible Man consisted of was you'd see this pair of spectacles floating toward the ring to make it look like there was an invisible man. And wrestlers would lock up and take bumps for an invisible man. How did they do the the spectacles? I have no idea. Everybody... Well, people either loved it or hated it. The funniest comment I ever heard about that was Dr. Jerry Graham, I don't know if he ever met Martin Cardigan when Cardigan was back in New York, because I know they were in that region in the same time, but Dr. Jerry Graham hated Cardigan. He always referred to him as the mighty Cardigan. Did he, he actually know him? Or? What's that? Did he know him? or was it just? He never, he never said he met him, but they were, in, they were back east around the same time. Oh, okay. And if they did meet, it wasn't a favorable impression because you couldn't say anything about Carter Young without Dr. Jerry Graham going into a rampage, just going into a, uh, not a rampage, but a rant. But the funniest thing he said is, you know, he killed the business in Argentina. And I'm thinking to myself, killed the business? No, he made the business in Argentina. And I'm saying, how so, Doc? And he said, he put over the invisible man. And what I loved is, okay, so the business died because he put over the Invisible Man. However, had the Invisible Man jobbed, that would be okay. Yeah. I mean, that that always just cracked me up. It's okay to use it as a gimmick. Just don't put him over. (laughs) It'll lose credibility. Something Memphis would have done, DDT. (laughs) There's so many promotions. Oh, there's so many promotions that would do it. And, you know, it's so funny because I hear so many fans rave about the old days of wrestling, and they have a selective memory when they talk about how realistic it used to be. I mean, I'm sure there were some very tough wrestlers. I would not want to mess with Luthez when he was on, you know, when he was very ill in his last days. I would not mess with Danny Hodge today. But, come on, it was never realistic. (laughs) We have a caller on now. Who do we have? I can't believe he would really say that this wasn't realistic. Man, when I was a kid, the assassins, the masked medics, the the the, the professional Mr. Wrestling, Mr. Wrestling 2, that whole Georgia circuit was nothing but real wrestling. 
That's right. I used to grab people by the wrist and sling them into a fence, and they would magically bounce off, and then I would hurl them over my head. I, it worked in every, uh, every uh, playground fight I was on. You realize when you stand behind somebody and put one arm against one side of their head and one the other, they always fall asleep, right? Yes, that happens. It takes about five minutes, though, yeah. And, and, when, and when you actually have them bending halfway over and you knee them in the top of their forehead, they always get knocked out? Yes, yes. And whenever you uh, have a wrist lock on somebody and you tell the referee, hey, he's pulling my hair, the referee will just, like a dog, run in back of you to look. Especially if it's Leo Garibaldi. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dr. Lucha, how are you doing tonight? This is, that's, that's when things real. I mean, in real fights, do you ever see anybody actually, like, punt somebody? No, they put them in sleeper holds, and they, they knee them in the forehead. Exactly. Not like that phony ultimate fighting championship whenever they put the sleeper hold, the guy goes right out. That would not happen in real life. They're only going right out because they've blown up and they want to go home. <laughs> it was real back then, despite what Fredo says. It was real. That's right, that's right. And, you know, the masked wrestlers wore the mask everywhere they went, even when they went to sleep. Dr. Lucha, you didn't bring up John Strongman on uh, Brian Alvarez's show. I tried to bring up Rouge, too. I hope that got over really big. <laughs> did, you hear, did you hear our suggestion for his tag team partner? No. Uh-oh. We want him to have a tag team partner called Tooge. <laughs> Rouge and Tooge. Is this supposed to be Rouge or Rogue? It's a, it's, oh, I, I saw it on TV last week. It's Rouge. Yeah, and I keep I waiting for them to put him together with La Mascara so you could have Rouge and Mascara in the same match. There you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. See, Dr. Lucha should be booking. You know, you know the best thing about that was you trying to, t- trying to tell us how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've got to tell you, I re-looked at that Jenna versus Charmel match, and I think it's been not been given enough credit. I'm going to have to give it a star and a half. Is that, is that on YouTube already? <laughs> the Jenna? I don't, know, I, I don't know about the Jenna and Charmel match, but Rouge should be on YouTube now. And um, Wait, the Jenna the latest... and Charmel, is that the famous TNA match that was negative five stars? Well, I kind of, you know, they tried real hard. <laughs> I have to see that. I still haven't seen that. I have so much catching up to do. I think we just figured out Dr. Lucha is the nicest and easiest uh, <laughs> Star I want him to watch all my matches now, all of them. <laughs> Actually, I, way back in 1991, on the, I guess it was 91, in Rochester, Minnesota, no, in St. Paul, Minnesota, in the, in the same card where Larry Sabisco won the AWA world title for Masa Saito, I was there, and they had the opening match for the life of me, I forget who was in it, and that was the worst wrestling, professional wrestling match I've ever seen. Oh, man, now I'm curious who it was. Was it worse than Jenna Morasca's match? Oh, no, it was, it was, I mean, it was literally the most business-exposing match I had ever seen. Wow. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was followed by DJ Peterson against Johnny Stewart, which if you're from the Midwest, you would know <laughs> those names. Yeah, and they, I hate them. They, I looked, they looked like Flair and Steamboat following. Oh, God, DJ Peterson. I mean, that's really... Oh, my Lord. Oh, God. What Time travel. Gonna... You know what? So... We have so I, I called. I called in right at the start of the show. Right, we got a full hour of good talk ahead of us. Right? Yeah, we got one more hour to go. We got. In fact, I was just up. about to suggest Fredo. I don't know about you, but since we have Doctor Lucha, should we go a little bit over time? This. Yeah, we could go over time. That's let's, fine. let's make an exception because Doctor Lucha, it is so bitchin'. Every time you are on, 
you're you're quite a muse for me because I I've been rambling and you know, Fredo's been great this show, but I've been stumbling over my words and you come on well, and I'm like, yeah, this is bitching. The reason I wanted to call so much was I wanted to take credit the three of us for for single-handedly because it it really is awkward or amazingly timed. We have single-handedly spawned a high-level academic research resurgence of interest in zombies. Since really? this podcast since this podcast started, as you can see at Stan the Embryo, there are uh, in some of the comment sections there are several high-level academic articles. Um, about the resurgence of zombies, and including one which has a mathematical formula that I'm still trying to get up to the website that will explain why the zombie invasion can never be defeated. Oh, that is Math- awesome. Mathematically. So we, we three personally are responsible for the resurgence of zombie love that's going on in America right now. We are officially a trio now. We, we have a trio to, to be reckoned that. with. Kurt, did, did you write that up on the for the for the Brian Alvarez uh, when you know when you were writing up the the comments? Remember when you were sending him the the information for the podcast? Yes, I did. You, you mentioned. Did zombies? I mention? Zo- wait, wait, wait! I'm trying to remember if I mentioned zombies on that one. Because I didn't, I, I I didn't see anything about zombies on his um, little writer. No, I don't think he mentioned. Whether I there were several things that I mentioned that we went over on the show that he didn't that was not mentioned. It was mainly a focus on Dr. Lucha, because when you have Dr. Lucha on the show... But these, these, are, these are wild stuff. I mean, this is Foreign Policy Magazine, Reason Magazine, the New York Times, and at least one other. And it's all, I've got the links. You just click on the links, and you can go to them. And they, these are these high-level academic magazines or... or you know, semi. And this is the pinnacle of our careers, gentlemen. And they're they're all now focused on the zombie resurgence. There that is so cool. That, now we just have to have them focus on some other stuff like lucha and. Well, you know, now once you see strongman John in the ring, I think you'll have another. Yep, he's a zombie, all right. Have you seen him wrestle? <laughs> I I know he is on. He's has many matches on YouTube from his independent days, okay. but I have not seen him wrestle. I don't <laughs> think res, wrestling is actually the thing that's going to get him over in Mexico anyway. Yeah. I don't know if anything will get him over, judging from the promo he did with Shocker on Rafaelona. I should say, <laughs> lifting Ray Mendoza with arm one arm will be the most impressive thing he can do. To <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, that, this is going to be fascinating. I I, I mean. It's weird. I'm actually looking forward to seeing his matches just to see what happens. I think they better warn him about climbing the top rope, though. (laughs) You don't want to see a Gronda injury. Well, I have seen, seen, if you you guys remember this, there was a documentary that the BBC made on Fry Tormenta back in in the late 80s, maybe 1990 at the latest, and they actually filmed one match out from his, uh, from a card in Arena Mexico that he was in, and of course, uh, EMLL at the time put him in on the baby face side in a six man tag, and on the other side were Negro Casas, Negro Casas. Blue, yeah. Blue, pa- Blue Panther, and Fuerza Guerrero, like the three wow. best possible workers you could possibly have at the time to make Fray Tormenta, Fray Tormenta look good for the the uh, for for in the documentary was- they were filming, and, and they did. They made him look good. Yes, he could hardly move, and though I love the way Casas sold for him after they beat him down and when they made the comeback, and, and Casas dropped to his knees in prayer penitence yes. to Frey Tormenta. That was sweet. John, John Strongman versus Tessa Negro will be the... <laughs> oh, that would be cool. 
It would be followed up by John Strongman versus Stalker Ichikawa, and I finally got to see the Stalker Ichikawa versus Abdullah the Butcher match. You guys haven't brought that up on the podcast yet? We brought it up. Fredo had seen it, but I did not see that match until today. Last week, didn't we bring it up last week? I think it was the week before, wasn't it? Oh, it was was mentioned, but so everybody has now seen it, right? Yeah, Kurt, Kurt has seen it. Now, you you were not kidding, Fredo, when you said he does not look scary anymore. Abdullah yeah, I mean, Butcher now looks like your friendly uncle who's been in one or you know one too many gardening accidents. Yeah, don't you just miss the good old days when he looked scary and? <laughs> yeah, he looks so. Yeah, you know, the one thing that was really adorable in that match is after he threw that first elbow drop, and it looked like he was very tentative in doing so. Like, oh, do I still have it in me? But after he did it, he delivered delivered another one, but he took his sweet time doing it because he was just sitting there drinking in the crowd's love for him. I mean, you could tell he was having a ball. That was sweet. Okay. And I bet it's no fun for Stalker on the bottom taking that because I bet Abdullah has no way to protect anybody as he falls. Oh, oh man, he's got, he's got the he's got the big old man boobs going for him. So that is amazing. That, that, I know he has one. like upper level love handles, is what I call. You them. know what I was waiting for? <laughs> I was waiting for them to like do um because you know how you could stick quarters in his forehead, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. That used to be a, a joke he would do in the dressing rooms. Apparently, is but he would you think it would have been funny. He would have passed out some quarters for two kids and have them just that would have been forehead. great. I always thought like, he'd be great at a charity event because you know he. Sticking quarters in the forehead, you could kind of, you know, have people stick the quarters in there for Jerry's kids, like they have those little deposits in restaurants where you slip the quarter in. Apparently, he's not really good at um, at the conventions and all that stuff, though. Really? Does he not just into them? I don't know. He just, they say he seems a little, like, not into it. Like, <laughs> yeah, the impression I get is almost he's almost like he's agoraphobic. He doesn't like crowds. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And he just he just clams up and sits there. I know people like that that are perfectly gregarious, one on one or two on one, but you get him in front of forty strangers and they're just they're overwhelmed. Yeah. One well, of I the mean, things he was famous for early in his career was he got arrested trying to help Dr. Jerry Graham smuggle Dr. Jerry Graham's sons over the Canadian border. Oh God. <laughs> he was trying to get him back from his ex-wife and. I can't remember if it was his son, Mike or John, uh, as an adult. Mike, he said one of his Mike earliest was, memories. Mike was the one with the oil money, right? Uh, Jerry was the one with the oil money. Well, I mean, Mike was the one that had the check sent to him and then got it to Jerry at the, at the end, right? I'm not aware of that. Uh, okay, I thought one of the sons at the, at the end was like the, the conduit and... I, I thought it was Mike in the last four or five years that... It, oh, the would, last would, four or five years. Actually, that was Tom. Oh, Tom, oh, wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. Actually, actually, let me rephrase. It was either Mike or Tom, if that's okay. the case. It was the last four or five years of his life because um, he had his son Jim. He had Mike. His son... Um, <laughs> He had a lot of sons. Because <laughs> he's trying to figure out, well, how about the ones that he didn't have? Like, the ones, I, the ones that... I knew were uh, Jack and Mike. Oh, okay. Because I, I remember you telling me vaguely something about that when the, when the crew of us went up to Bur- Burbank and, and went to grab him to get some pizza. That you, I thought it was Mike you referred to that had 
a finger in the pie to make sure that Jerry would actually get the money. Because he was so out of it by that point of time that he wouldn't <laughs> regularly go pick up his checks or, or give, get them cashed. Okay, I, I'm, I'm a little vague on that particular memory. What I remember about his oil money is the oil money happened when I very first met the doc in 1981. Yeah. And it was later that year when I guess some guy who was dressed, you know, you know, rather nicely was knocking at his hotel door room and he said the first thing he thought was, oh shit, the IRS finally found me. But what had happened was some property that his father owned that he thought was worthless, they ended up striking oil on, so he was getting, uh, you know, he, he leased it to them and was getting a pretty penny for a while. And uh, he told us what he planned to do with the money was uh, start knocking off all the wrestling promoters who did him wrong. <laughs> 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 um, but that was a long list, right? That was a long list. In fact, <laughs> if anybody's heard that clip, maybe I should put that clip on my Stan the Embryo page. I have it on one of my MySpace pages where you hear him saying, when I get that fucking money... There's gonna be a fucking payday somewhere. Was that on? Was that the interview with Humber? No, that was actually with me. That was in that was a you? hotel room at Buck Owens Hotel in Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield, Bakersfield, yeah. Yeah. What happened was uh, the doc wanted to find some hookers, <laughs> and he always told us how the supreme hookers were at Buck Owens Hotel uh-huh. or motel, I should say. And we thought this was one of Dr. Jerry Graham's urban legends, but. It winds up that the prostitutes walked out in the open at Boca Owens' Owens's place, unmolested by police, and uh, Doc wanted to, to say, you know, let's let's get a hotel room and you know we'll get ourselves a whore. And uh, we didn't get a whore, but what we did is we drank and smoked weed and. What my friend Lloyd and I did was we said we have a tape recorder here. Let's just turn it on. So we just let it record, and we have several hours of Doc telling us, you know, old war stories. The the sound quality is terrible, but just that we have a tape of Doc letting out his patented war cry. And uh, there was one part where he we didn't get the whole tale, but he talked about somebody raping the sheik. Um, you know, talking about how bitchin' the Vikings were just just. You know, it's great to have some Dr. Jerry Graham on tape. That is a great story, so... <laughs> but yeah, Doc Doc was actually getting uh, oil money, and I can't remember the situation with his son. But it was when we went to visit him, so that was in 91. So most likely it was Mike he was in touch with. So when not, when Mike, up- not as in Mike Gossett, who was Eddie Graham's son, but Dr. Yeah, Jerry no, Graham no. had a Mike. So I have, I I know it's nearly time to wrap up, and I've in- interrupted the the flow of the podcast and stuff. But I wondered, are either of you guys interested in doing a anniversary show preview in the next couple of podcasts? I would love that. We would love to do it. That would be great. You would join us for that. I would. I would join you from the start. Oh, that oh, would be go. bitching. Let's do that. I would love to do that. We can start promoting it now. Let's do it. Yeah, let's start hyping it. Well, let's, let's try hype. and try and explain to to anybody who might listen or might download the podcast why this is going to be out of their way to find out what happened and then 
when it comes on YouTube or 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 mega upload or whatever that people can download it and watch the matches. Yeah, let's do that definitely. I would really enjoy that. Is it going to be on a pay-per-view or is it going to be TV? According to their own website, it's going to be on regular TV and it will air the next day. Wow. Oh, that's sweet. According to their website. Now, we will we will see if they... <laughs> <laughs> if, if, Tele, if Televisa needs, you know, programming that night for its cable channel, or if they decide, as okay, they yeah, have in the past, at the last minute to throw it on pay-per-view, they might. But eventually, you know, we have seen every match that they that CML has ever put on pay-per-view, so we'll see it. Yeah, that's excellent. I'm really looking forward to this pay-per-view. I'm really looking forward to the Negro Casas versus Mystico. It has not gotten stale for me yet. And Kurt it sounds will like it hasn't watch. gotten stale for anybody watching it. And hopefully Kurt will watch the rest of the show, not just the Mystico Negro Casas match. I plan to. In fact, since I, since I <laughs> have you, the women, I have you on the air, Fredo, can, can, I, can I come by your place and get some CML DVDs from you? Sure. You rock. You rock. I finished them. <laughs> Taking forever. Oh, man. I, uh, yeah, I'm chopping up the you, bit I'll... for some... Good are those the are those the kinds you can get at slambamjam.com? There you go. Yeah, slambamjam.com, ladies and gentlemen, website. greatest website in, ever known to wrestling. Plus, Kurt actually watched Rastalona off the website, right? Kurt? Yes, I did. <laughs> and my favorite line, my favorite line, was Shocker saying in English, "It's all yours, John. Take it away." <laughs> The announcer, the announcer actually spoke pigeon English, even though the announcer can actually speak really good English. <laughs> Which one is that? The Spanish, the Leonardo Riano, Riano, who was inter- who who was interviewing Strongman John, actually speaks really good English. But I don't know why he was speaking pigeon English. Sometimes, I know when I was in Kurt can testify to this. When you're in Japan for a while. Your English starts to revert to pidgin English because that's how people in Japan speak English to you. <laughs> it does. It's so true. Or have you ever known somebody who uh, took a long vacation to England and actually come with a bit of Cockney in them? Oh god. A bit of you know, Oh, be, before we go, I'm not going to talk too long about this because I really want to save this for next week because I want to put some real time into this, but. I know I emailed both of you about this, but have either of you guys seen that trailer for the 1969 flick, The Wonderful Land of Oz? You know what, Kurt? I actually saw that a long time ago. The trailer? I have not. Yeah, the trailer I had, I had seen. When I went to your website, I was like, oh my God, Kurt just found this? I think you might have posted it on your website, though, earlier. Did you- I did once earlier, but what's yeah, happening is I'm that. finally getting a copy of that film, along with another film by this cat named Barry Mahone, mm-hmm. who was a member of the Royal Air Force in World War II and was a prisoner of war, but went on to make all these... He made such a weird variety of movies. He started off with a movie called Rocket Attack USA, and then he made a bunch of movies like The Adventures of Busty Brown, Music to Strip By, uh, Hot Skin, Cold Cash, uh, I Was a Man, Good Time with a Bad Girl. And then in the last few years of his career, he did takes on The Wonderful Land of Oz, Thumbelina, Jack and the Beanstalk. This was one twisted motherfucker. And like I said, I don't want to go on too much because I, I want to do a whole segment on this. Not a whole show, but a, a good segment on this guy. 
we could do that. So this is not, he's not doing the Andrew Dice Clay bit of like X-rated comedy about comic book characters. No, this, I, this guy was, he's one of those guys that strikes me that he actually yeah. thought he was making some really good films here. Not one of those guys who was trying to make something campy and it just comes off as retarded. This is just, this guy had one twisted mind. He, he, uh, like I said, I want to do a, devote a good chunk of time to this guy because I don't know what he was thinking. Well, sounds and, good. Maybe we should aim for the anniversary show then for two weeks from tonight, which yeah. will be the night before the show, and we can really pump people up. Yeah, let's do that because I, I, I could ramble on and on about this guy, but I would actually like to prepare something that is a lot more coherent, and I'd love to get over just, you know, there's a lot of wacky film producers out there who put a lot of B-movies out, out, but this guy kind of stands out. Uh, did a lot of B-movies, a lot of nudie movies, and then went into the family film segment and just just uh, very interesting. He had another interesting note is he managed the career of Errol Flynn for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, before we really? Move, we have to mention the new email, too, so don't forget that. Oh, yes, yes. Take it away, Fredo. We have a new email for the show. It's Stan at hotmail.com. So the reason, cool. the reason we did this is because Dr. Lucha can't seem to get through the Earthlink account. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I send you an email, it says, Alfredo doesn't approve of you. Yeah, for some reason, I think it's, And you know what I noticed? I noticed somebody else sent me through a Gmail account, and it won't let the Gmail. For some reason, Gmail can't get into Earthlink. So I did. Oh, uh, that's probably that's probably you, it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I always knew Alfredo Alfredo never approved of me, but he still takes my emails. <laughs> yeah. I, so so we now have. Well, to- look, if you had taken me to Reno, Paraguay, week after week, I wouldn't approve of you either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, especially if you would have seen the place. And I, you know I, what? I do yeah. not blame you guys. Yeah, we wouldn't have approved of you, Kurt. But Steve Sidims did see me wrestle at La Fogata. And what, and what, Absolutely. What did you rate um, Kurt's matches? We should do a show where you rate every single match of Kurt Brown. The highest, the highest matches when ratings he got was whenever he would channel the Red Hot Chili Peppers during his ring ring work. Oh, uh, there you, yeah. Yeah, whenever I would stomp down physical nuclear, I'd start chanting, "Give it away! Give it away! Give it away now!" <laughs> those were fun matches. I miss those. That was the best. Yeah, I, I'm that's that, on YouTube. Yeah, that's the one thing I miss uh, about being young. <laughs> Everything Kurt, else you about you. What's that? Are you going to wrestle again at any point, or is that? Well, uh, as a matter of fact, Dan Farron and I have been talking about having a bit of a Cal International reunion show. Who would be involved? Uh, Just you and anybody we know who really wants to be involved. You know. Oh, okay. But we, in fact, we'd have to have Dr. Lucha do a run in and pin one of the uh, somebody like Physico Nuclear or Lucky Pierre or Vandal, you know. As long as you guys don't have those clowns during the at any point during the show. The clowns? Remember the Eric Caden friends? Oh yeah, the non wrestlers who did yeah, that wrestling like, match. Okay, guys. No, the only clown we would have is Incredibly Strange Wrestling's Doink Diggler, the dirty, dirty long hung clown. And this is actually going to happen, or is it just still... We don't know yet. Yeah, I, I just want to say we've been kind of proposing it. Uh-huh. You know, thought about just having like a reunion show. Not so much to turn a profit, but just get everybody together and, 
in in sort of a Johnny Legend vein, have a block party that involves a lot of wrestling. This will be happening during the warm. <laughs> I hope not. My God, I'm going crazy with this weather. Steve, how's the weather where you're at? Well, where I'm at, it's fine, but I'm going out to see the UCLA game on Saturday. I've got like six or seven white masks to put over my nose <laughs> to block, block out all the ash. Yeah, I know I have ash all over my car, and what's driving me crazy is not so much the heat. And that's driving me a little crazy, but what's driving me nuts is I have not been able to go running, and that is my antidote after work every day. Yeah. And I'm just climbing the walls. So since it's still not good air quality, I'm probably going to just go hit the gym and pump a little iron and hope those endorphins get flowing. There it goes. We should end the show now, guys. <laughs> I think you're right. I think I'm, uh, I'm getting tired. My ears feeling the pain. Yes, well... By the way, does it cost you guys to have like an extra twenty minutes on uh, onto the podcast? No, just the is this call. like coming out of somebody's pocket. No, it's just a it's just a phone call, the long distance call. Like if you're paying for long distance. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's the the show. The the podcast doesn't cost anything. It's free. Yeah. They have well, a premium service. Well, Fredo, 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 who is wait, Kurt? Let me tell doctors. Okay, you tell, you talk. Kurt refuses to pay the 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 premium service. I refuse! In the words of Captain Lenny, I refuse! Okay, Kurt, go ahead. Maybe when the podcast hits hits a a million downloads a week, you'll go for the premium service. There you go, yeah. That will do, yes. They have have an option where you can actually get paid advertising, but it's so much much, uh, red tape you've got to go through. It's not really worth it. And it's so fun just to kind of do it and keep it simple and keep it fun. And it's free, so... It's free. Uh, I, I, I wish I, I want to work on being a little more literate when I speak and a little less like spaced out. But you know, we can only wish so much. Uh, Kurt, we still haven't done any of our Meltzering thing, you know, where we're going to do the Dave Meltzer talking over one another. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a new verb, Meltzering, when you talk over somebody and don't even realize it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, have, um, to have, we'll have to have Steve mention it on Brian's show. Definitely. Would you do that for us, Steve? Mention the word Meltering? Yeah, because you notice how when Dave Meltzer is talking with somebody who phones in on their uh, podcast, how he'll start talking over the person and not even realize it, and after a while you hear a frustrated Brian Alvarez, guys, guys, you're talking over each other. <laughs> I, can, I can mention that. Mention it, please, because it, it along with the word Guajardian, we want to... Uh, Get a new verb out there called Meltzering. All right. Well, is, is my verb is, or is my adjective of the week, so. Oh, awesome, awesome. I, once it gets in uh, the thesaurus and the dictionaries, we'll be so happy. Well, as always, Fredo, who is the main pilot of this podcast, totally rocks. Check out slambamjam.com because this guy has the most bitchin' videos you'll ever see at great prices. And what's your other site, Fredo? Um, LuchaWorld.com. And my site is StanTheEmbryo.com. And I'm planning on getting into a bunch of writing projects. Lately, I've been just been, you, you can't know, go out, Kurt. You can't go outdoors, so you might as well write, right? This is true. This is true. It, that's how I'll let off my pent-up energy is writing. Lately, I've just been doing a bunch of daily updates on there, little historical timelines, that sort of thing. 
but I think I'm going to do some something a little more substantial in the near future, so check out my site frequently, folks. And, Steve, I hope that when you uh, finish that story you were talking about that you'll uh, send it our way. <laughs> Absolutely. And as soon as I can figure out how to get this formula into StanTheEmbryo.com, we will prove scientifically that the zombie invasion cannot be stopped. Rockin', rockin'. <laughs> well, thank you both. This is Slam and Stam number 11. And remember, any of you out there in Southern California, if you see a bright light streaking across the night sky, it is not a shooting star. It is a heavenly handful of Moncel's powder approved by the maniac, John Tolis, one of the great angels of Southern California. Take care. Till next week, my honeys. Bye.